Well, good morning to you. Um, probably should have said this before, when I first jumped up. My, my name is Adam and my wife, um, Darcy, we're the lead pastors here at this campus. Um, and it's our great honor to be with you. I'm going to share a message with you this morning titled The Engine Room. Everyone say The Engine Room. Um, have you ever had someone ask you a question that hit a sore spot? Like they asked you something and you went, ooh, okay, that's, that's rocking me up on the inside. Have you ever had someone ask a question or say something that produced a fire in your belly? Well, I remember quite a few years ago, I was hanging out with a bunch of my friends, and many of them are not Christians. I was sort of saved while part of that friend group. And I remember one of my friends saying to me at one point, he goes, are you going to be like one of those hard out Christians? Like you're Christian, but you're going to be like one of the hard out ones. And I was like, does the Pope wear a funny hat? Like, I remember being like, are you one of those breathing humans? I remember honestly thinking in the moment, like, I don't understand your question. Like, is there any other way to be a Christian than to be a hard-out Christian? Like, my devotion to God is not a scarf that I wear on a winter's day. It's not a jacket that I wear around different groups of people. But the truth is that God literally made a way for humanity to be redeemed and restored and to be connected back in relationship with Him. So if I'm a Christian, then yes, you could say that I'm one of those hard-out Christians because I don't know if there's any other way to be. From the moment that God gave me new life, I was consumed with this passion. There was just something that was birthed inside of me. I was consumed with this passion to live my life for God and to live it in a way that honored Him. Have you ever found yourself riled up, rocked up by something that somebody has asked? You know, has someone ever said something that made smoke come out of your ears? Has someone ever said something that like grinded your gears? Or maybe on a positive note, it's like your heart skipped a beat at the thought of something. Or your mind was racing faster than your mouth could articulate. Maybe you call it enthusiasm. Maybe you call it drive. I like to call it passion, and as the Bible describes it, as zeal. Now, it's hard to describe, but it's like this burning fire within you that locks eyes with the value in something. And, and others might not see it the way that you see it, but it's like you can't explain it, but there's just something burning, and it's more than just a phase, and it's more than just an interest, but there's something deeper going on inside. You know, some people are deeply passionate about eradicating child poverty about eradicating child abuse. Some people are deeply passionate about equality between men and women. Some people are deeply moved and overcome with zeal to preserve our planet for future generations, and others are passionate about helping and assisting the brokenhearted. And I don't know if you know what it is that makes you passionate. Whether you do or you don't, one thing is true, that every single person in this room has been called to be driven by passion. It is human to be passionate. See, passion is not a personality thing. It's a faith thing. Passion is not just for the extroverts. It's not just for the young people, and it's not just for the leaders. But passion is for anyone on the planet who has been called by God to believe for and go after something. Passion says, I have faith to believe that things can get better, that things can improve, that victory can be won, and that justice can be served. And so passion is that burning desire that God gives us to allow us to go after all that He's called us to do. And it's important to know that it's what God wants to do, not what we want to do. It's important that the passion that we use to spur us on towards the calling on our life is not self-produced, that it comes from God. In fact, the Bible talks about it in James chapter 4, verse 3. It says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. Have you ever asked God for something? and not received? Well, there's a way that we can ask wrongly. And it says, you ask wrongly because you ask to spend it on your passions. 
And so it's important as we consider what makes us passionate and what each individual in this room is called to do, that we understand that we need to get a passion from God that would serve the calling that He has on our life. His purpose is worked in us and through us. You know, in John chapter 2, Jesus is in Jerusalem and He's walking through the temple. And as he's walking through the temple, he notices some different tables and they're selling cattle and they're selling sheep and they're selling doves. And over there, they're like exchanging foreign currencies and everyone's in it for themselves. It's like a big marketplace and Jesus loses the plot. Jesus makes a a whip out of some ropes. I mean, I don't know about you, but I feel like if I was going to make a whip out of some ropes, I would lose the moment. I'd be like, that would take me two hours to produce. But Jesus just, he's like, there's something I prepared earlier. He has his whip, and then he starts clearing. Just Can you imagine, like, you think of Jesus, he's all loving, and he's, you know, he's always like this. But there he is, with a whip, like, clearing the temple. And he's telling everyone to get out, and he's clearing the animals as he goes, and he's scattering coins, and he's flipping tables. (laughs) Oh, how the tables have turned. And he approaches those selling the doves. Dove hand soap, dove moisturizer. And he says, he says, what is this? He says, get the stuff out of here. As Darcy's dad would say, he'd say, get on out of here. He says, get the stuff out of here. And he clears everyone out. He says, what are you doing? He's really rocked up. Something's making him passionate. He's like, you're turning my father's house into a marketplace when this place is meant to be a house of prayer. As he did this, his disciples remembered what was written down in Psalm 69 verse 9. As they watch this going on, they go, ah, this is like, this is like the Old Testament scriptures that, that we've read, that we've learned so well, where it says, passion for your house will consume me. And at the time, the, the Jewish leaders said to Jesus, they're like, if you think God has given you authority to do this, because right now you're a bit out of control, you're claiming that God's given you authority to do this, then prove it with a miracle. Now, usually in these moments, the Jesus that we've come to know and love would be very peaceful would be very profound, and he would say something like, blessed are those who see without, who believe without seeing, brethren, right? But in this moment, he's like, you want a miracle? Fine. He's like, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. And they're all confused, because they're like, you're an idiot. Like, this building took 40 years to build, and you want to destroy it, and then raise it up in just three days? Because they didn't realize that Jesus was talking about his own life being the temple that would be killed and then resurrected three days later. I love this. I love this. And of all the examples and the stories and the pictures that we get of Jesus, this is one of my favorites. You know why? Because I love seeing passion in action. Jesus wasn't against markets or trade. Of course he wasn't. This was their livelihood. But it was the way that they were doing it, and it was their disregard for God's house. I imagine Jesus sitting there thinking like, no, 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 no. You guys don't understand. Like, this is not right. Like, something needs to change. Like, this is not how it's meant to look. Like, the picture that I'm seeing right now is not the picture that God has given me for what his house should look like. You see, Jesus had a specific calling on his life to build the church in a way that would reflect God's heart and to raise up people that would continue building it. And because he had that specific calling, he became passionate about chasing after what it is that God had laid in front of him. I can imagine Jesus' mind going in turmoil at this time as he walked through the temple, looking around thinking, what the, like, what's going on here? Like something needs to change. Someone needs to do something. And then realizing very quickly that that someone was him. You know, passion shouldn't be the driver in our life, but it does need to fill our engine room. And that's why I've titled this message today, The Engine Room. 
See, when you drop, jump into your car and you go for a drive, it's the one in the, in the driver's seat with the driver's steering wheel that determines the direction and the vision and the clarity of where you're going. But you need the engine to add oomph to your journey. Passion is the fire that God has given us to chase after what we've each been called to do. And so it's important that you don't mistake passion for calling. See, I'm passionate about the All Blacks. But I tell you right now, I'm not called to be part of the All Blacks. Although I may have just been the difference that they needed. Just saying. If I had my boots on me, I'm telling you. It'd be a bit of a Stephen Donald situation. Anyway. I tell you, I'm passionate about worship. Like, I love worship. I love our worship team. I think our moments of worship are some of the most significant moments that we have together as a church. I love it, but I can stand here hand on heart and say, I'm not called to be part of the worship team. Amen. As you watch American Idol, you see that some people are passionate about being singers. But you can tell pretty quickly that some people aren't called or gifted to do that. Your passion isn't confirmation of your calling but it can be a really strong indicator. See, we get this around the wrong way sometimes, don't we? What we say is, well, what is it that I'm passionate about? And and we conclude that because I'm passionate about it, that must be my calling in life, rather than asking the question, what have I been called to do? What burden has God laid on my heart? What peace has He laid on my heart? What, What vision has He given me for my life? And then deciding, I'm gonna become passionate about that. Because passionate people are overcome by the notion, not only that God can, but that God will. And this is really important because much of our life is lived waiting for God to come through on His promises and passion allows us to keep on going, believing that He's good on those promises. As a church, we need to be so consumed by passion for God's house that we metaphorically, metaphorically flip the tables and scatter the coins. That we, like Jesus in that moment, we have a clear picture of what it is that God's calling us to do, and we're willing to overcome the barriers and the obstacles that would get in our way. For us to have a clear picture of what He's doing is really important because it gives us vision for our life. And if passion is a faith thing, if passion is the fire that He places within us to go after what He's called us to do, then we can only ever be a mobilized church when every single person in the room begins to get a passion for what they're individually called to do. See, when you have clarity for your life, and when we have clarity as as a church, then our passion is put into motion. Some people say, well, you know what? I'm just not a passionate person. Do not believe that lie. Passionate people are not extroverts. Passionate people are not just leaders or young people. Passionate people are are anyone that's been called to do something by God. And that's every person in this room. Don't believe the lie that you're not a passionate person. You are a passionate person because you are a person. Passion isn't about yelling loudly. It's not about being overbearing and it's not even about flipping tables. But the passion that God wants to give you in your life, it comes with clarity, responsibility, and purpose. And I want us to take a look at those three things this morning. The passion in your life should bring clarity, responsibility, and purpose. Is that all good? Number one, it's in your notes. You can write it in if you haven't figured it out already. Passion's calling is clarity. Passion's calling is clarity. See, passionate people, they see things a little bit differently than others. You become passionate when you believe that something is possible, even when you don't have the full plan. You know, I love talking to our tech team who do an amazing job about troubleshooting different problems. I'll come to them and be like, oh, can we like try this? And can can we try and achieve this different thing? And they know that the solution can be achieved and they're dedicated and they're gifted to going after that outcome. 
They'll be all like, yeah, nah, yeah, mate, yeah, I'm pretty sure you just connect the uh, AV45 into the old uh, auxiliary output of the DMX patch interface. And someone else will be like, yeah, mate, yeah, and if that produces distortional feedback, then just bypass the secondary channel algorithm with a multi-line jack lead and a Batman symbol. And I'm like, I totally agree. I've got no idea what they're talking about. But how beautiful is that as a picture of the body of Christ? I have no idea what they're talking about, but they see it clearly. They understand it. They have passion to get the result because they are gifted and called to do that, whereas I am not. And this is why it's so important for every single person to take time, if you haven't already, to go through Growth Track. Growth Track is where we help you discover your purpose, where we help you to discover the spiritual gifts that God has like individually given you. We do a passion assessment so you can find out what it is that gets you going so that you can put that passion into action. See, God has called you, but you need that fire to fill your engine room if you are to go after all that God has called you to do. And the great tragedy is when you want to be passionate, like you're like, yeah, I'm ready. Like you want to make a difference. You want to actually have your life used by God to do something, but you just don't know where to fire the cannon. And when you have clarity of vision as an individual, and when we have clarity of vision as a church, it means that passion and that energy and that focus goes in one direction and we can achieve a whole lot more together. It's like oxen in a field. You are like oxen in a field, perhaps. So much raw energy, so much power, so much potential, but they just wander in the field, eating some grass, not really achieving a whole lot. But there's so much power there. There's so much potential, but when you bring them together and you put a wooden yoke on them and you give them direction, all of a sudden, their potential is focused. All of a sudden, they have vision and clarity for their life and they start going in the same direction, plowing the field, actually making a difference. And so having clarity in your life means having vision and direction. And the Bible says that without vision, what? The people perish. So that means that with vision, the people flourish. See, passion shouldn't prompt you to do everything. Passion should prompt you to do your thing. What is your thing? What is the thing that gets you going? What is the thing that you wish you could be part of changing in this world? See, passion makes the outcome clearer to you than it does to others. You see the picture clearer, you feel the need deeper, and you carry more urgency than others do. If you could change anything in this whole world, what would it be? What is it that seems more valuable and important to you than anything else? Is there something that you value and you get really annoyed when other people don't value it as much as they should? Perhaps this is God giving you clarity for your life. You know, maybe you feel deeply about those that feel lonely. Why don't you start a small group? and begin to train other people as to how they can encourage and get alongside people and help them to find genuine friendship. Maybe you have a great idea and a great system in your mind that God's given you clarity for, connecting older people with younger people in a mentor relationship that sets younger people up for their future. Maybe to other people, they would think, that sounds so confusing and I don't even know how to figure that out, but to you, it's clear. Maybe God has given you a vision to make a difference in this way. Maybe you're like Eugen. Where's Eugen? You're a legend. Taking notes, that's how good she is. I love Eugene for many reasons, but I love her passion and her ability to read God's word and draw God's heart out of it. She was passionate about it. So what did she do? She started a small group. On Sundays after church, it's full. You can't join. You missed out. But maybe next time, 
in, in Dream Team Central. She sits there, and now she had passion. She's gifted. She's cool. She came out with an, like a really clear term-long plan as to exactly how it was going to happen and the growth that was going to take place. And now because she had clarity and passion and gifting, she's helping a whole bunch of other people learn to read God's Word and draw God's heart out of it. I love this. This is exciting. This is what passion in action looks like. You know, as a church, we're headed in one direction. World domination. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> no, we're unashamed to say that we are heading in one direction. And there's, there's a couple of things that are really key to who we are as Elam. We want you to know God personally, individually, specifically for you. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. And we have a pathway for every person to do that. Come on Sunday to Sunday services, join a small group, go through growth track, and join the dream team. If you do that, you're going to know God better, your relationships are going to be healthier, and your life will be used by God to impact our community. Passion's calling is clarity. Second thing. I've missed my page. Here we go. Passion's responsibility is response. Passion's responsibility is response. You know, passion is interesting It's often likened to a fire, but it's like a fire that needs to be fed. Like we actually need to take action to fuel the fire that God gives us inside. Paul is speaking to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 6. And he says, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Did you catch that? We can have a spiritual gift in our life that lays dormant. Paul is speaking to Timothy and he's like, Oi, you have the gift. You've got it. You received it when I laid hands on you that other time when I came. But you actually need to take action and fan it into flame. If you keep reading that story, and I'll paraphrase this, he essentially says, Now, Timothy, what you need to do is use the passion that you have in sharing the gospel with people to activate and ignite the gift that God has given you. See, passion isn't just about wanting or thinking or desiring or hoping, it's actually about taking action. Are you approaching your gift and your calling with fear and timidity or with love, with power and with a sound mind? See, our passion should follow our calling, not the other way around. See, like Jesus, he had passion that stirred him to take action because he wasn't content on what it was that he was seeing. You know, one of the things I love most about passionate people is that they're straight out the gate. So much energy, they get like five steps down and realize that where am I going? I don't know. But they just, they go for it. They don't know what the whole plan looks like. And we could argue perhaps that that's foolish, but I love it. I love it because passion is a faith thing. Passion is about taking the next step that's in front of us and believing that God will reveal the next one as we go. That's why I love our story here at Elam Papakura. Huge vision, huge passion, clarity on where we're headed, but it didn't just stay in here and here, but it was converted into action. Like so many people dedicating themselves to carrying items up to the fourth floor in the blistering heat. Small groups coming in to paint like every wall in this entire space. Those that would use the gifts that they have, people would bring food and drink to provide sustenance to those that were renovating. Many people walking the streets, handing out thousands of flyers, people taking ownership, saying, you know what? I'm not an attendee here but this is my church and I'm I'm responsible for building this. And so they grab invite cards and they invite other people. Why don't you do that? Why don't you grab a bunch of invite cards on your way out and invite that coworker that you've been believing for? Give them one, not the whole stack. That's weird, but actually reach out and invite them. 
Now, did we know exactly how we were going to do everything along the way over the last eight months? No. <laughs> do we yet know exactly how we're going to face every challenge that comes our way? No. But one thing is for sure, God has called us. And God has called us, and what he calls us to do, he will equip us to do. And so we don't know what every detail looks like, but we'll take the step that's right in front of us. You know, we make the mistake of thinking that we need to be fully equipped before we begin the journey. But after Gideon was having a moan in Judges 6, God said to him, Gideon, just go in the strength that you have. Gideon's all like, ah, I'm not enough, I can't do it. And, and, and God's like, just go with the strength that you have right now, I am sending you. And that's all that he needed to do. And he went out and he got the victory in that battle. See, passionate people don't just dream, but they take action. They look around and they say, somebody needs to do something, and that somebody is me. Passion says, I'm going to take the next step that's right in front of me, even when I can't see the whole staircase. See, if you have a passion that aligns with your gifts, you need to see that as a God-given responsibility to make a difference in that area. Because he hasn't given the same gifting mix and passion to every single person. But maybe the fact that you have it is God speaking to you saying, that's your area. Now get out and make a difference in that. And so it's time to take action. Join a small group or start the one that you've been believing for. Maybe you're like, where's that small group that does that? Maybe it's in you. Maybe you need to be the one to get out and start it. Bring, maybe you need to bring the family together to have that chat that you know needs to be had because there seems to be a bit of disunity. Things seem to be drifting apart and you know, but you don't want to do it, but it just takes 20 seconds of bravery to call a meeting and have that chat that would bring unity. Why don't you grab a stack of invite cards and invite a bunch of people, believing that as they come into this place, they're going to meet incredible people and then meet with the God that made them. And they're going to find hope and life and peace in their own journey. See, Jesus didn't just want God's house to be a house of prayer. He didn't just walk in and see all the stores and go, ah, it's not how it's meant to be. But he took action. He understood that the responsibility of his passion was to respond. Passion's calling is clarity. Passion's responsibility is response. And third thing is passion's purpose is perseverance. Now, if you're like me, there's been times when, in fact, this is everyone, of course. There's been times when you put a whole bunch of energy and effort into something only to feel disappointed only to feel discouraged. You're like, I gave it my, be- I mean, this is not even my notes. I just have a winch to you for a moment. <laughs> Year 12, I was like, I was like the man in PE, right? And, and this one assignment, I was like, I'm going to get an excellence plus, plus, plus. doesn't even exist. I'm going to be so excellent that the teacher's going to be blown away. And I went overboard. People are handing in assignments this big. Mine was massive. I went extreme. I like failed everything else. But I was like, this is my assignment. And I got a merit. And I remember getting that back going, I'm never trying ever again. Like, If all of my effort can't get an excellence, then what's the point? I remember feeling so discouraged, so disappointed. If you've ever played golf, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Just when you think you've mastered it, the next shot will humble you. Do you know I've got two hole-in-ones? I'm not claiming to be a good golfer. Both were complete flukes. But I got a hole-in-one on a really short par three, and then the very next ball, I shanked it and lost the ball. Like, that's life. You can be doing so well sometimes, and all of a sudden, you feel very disappointed. We all face disappointment, but you know what happens when you're a passionate person? That passion reminds you of what you've been called to do. It's like the fire may feel dull, but there's always embers inside that never go out. Passion is the engine that motivates us to take a hold of what lays in front of us. But it's also the power that allows us to keep pushing through when it all feels too hard. When you feel yourself feeling discouraged and doubt starts to creep in, this is the moment where we need to focus and be reminded 
of the what and the why rather than the how and the when. Because when you get the wind knocked out of your sails, you might have to evaluate the how and the when, but the what and the why remain constant. You know, when we first started looking for a venue for this campus, um, we looked everywhere. And I know many of you have heard the story before, but we looked pretty much everywhere and we came across the Hawkins Theater. And everything else seemed like a really bad option. And we were in there and we were like, this is just perfect. This is the perfect place to start. Like 266 seats. I'm like, we would already have outgrown that. I'm like, thank God that it didn't happen. 266 seats, a corner that we could have kind of done a kids program in, like sort of, it would have maybe worked. Um, And we were so passionate about the community that would be planted here. We were so passionate about God would, what God would do. And as we drove around and as we prayed and as we looked at venues, we were like, God has called us here. Like God is gonna do an amazing thing. God makes a way where there is no other way. God will give us the Hawkins Theater. And the lovely people at the Hawkins Theater had other ideas and gave us a resounding no. I was like, don't you get in the way of what God wants to do. I remember being so angry, but like, don't make me come in there and flip some tables. I was like, this shall be a house of prayer. (laughs) But despite my effort to force God's hand, we didn't get the Hawkins Theater, but we remained passionate. We remembered what God had called us to do. And we were passionate about seeing the outcome that he had placed on our heart. So we kept going and we kept looking. And it wasn't long before we secured this place, which is significantly better. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that sees beyond what we see. The passion that God has given us matched with the call that he placed over us allowed us to persevere even when it got tough. See, when you find yourself going after what God has called you to do, I'm sorry to say it, but it's valuable that we're honest. You will be so disappointed along the way. You will face disappointment and you will face discouragement, but that's okay because passion captures your heart and reminds you that with God, all things are possible. Galatians 6, 9 says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. Maybe you feel a little weary, but don't get tired. Don't give up, keep going. If it's good, if it's from God, just keep going and don't get tired because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And I wanna speak that over your life, not just for us as a church, but don't grow tired of doing what is good. God sees it. He's a rewarder of those who are faithful and your breakthrough is coming. So don't give up. God has gifted you, he's called you, and he's given you a passion to fill your engine room that would motivate and encourage you to keep going after that dream that he's placed on your heart, even when it all feels too tough. You know, there's an interesting story about a lady named Florence Chadwick. Now, Florence was the first lady to ever swim the English Channel in both directions. And on the 4th of July, 1951, she attempted a different swim, not the English Channel, but a different one. It was from Catalina Island to the California coast. 42 kilometers. I don't even want to drive that. And she swam it. Anyway, she sets out to swim this 42 kilometers. And the day that she goes and she she jumps into the water, it wasn't the distance that was so much of an issue, which that blows my mind. But apparently it was the bone chilling waters of the Pacific Ocean. She jumps in the water and there's this thick mist and fog like hovering over the waters the whole way across. And she's going for it, she's going for it. This is where all of her training comes in. After 15 hours in the water, fog everywhere, can't see anything, she decides to give up one kilometer from her destination. But she couldn't see it. And she asks, it's too much, I don't don't know where I'm going, like I have to pull out. So they pull it out of the water into the boat and she doesn't complete it. When reflecting with a reporter later on, she's like, I'm not trying to excuse myself, but I'm just trying to say that if I could have seen the land, I reckon I would have made it. 
So she did a bit more training and she came back and the same situation occurred. Fog and mist everywhere, couldn't see anything. But she went and she went and she went. And this time she couldn't see the land, but she could see the land. She knew what lay in front of her. She had passion to see it happen. And so she had clarity for where she was going. And this time she completed it. Not only that, but she came back and did it again later and beat the men's record by over two hours. That's amazing. (laughs) If I was in, I'd be trying to get there as fast as possible anyway. I mean, I don't like, this is cold right now for me. So let alone the Pacific Ocean. (laughs) You know, sometimes the greatest victory is not that you reached your goal today, but it's that you took a step in the right direction. You know, triumph is simply just oomph added to try. Uh, Keys, you can join me. That'd be awesome. When you face challenge in your life, you need to know this. This is not evidence that you were not called. But actually, this is the moment where that God-given passion for the call that he's placed on your life needs to see you through. When you face challenge, when you face trial, if you're going after anything that God has called you to, the greatest attempt that the enemy will make will be to derail you from that. So when you do face challenge, persevere. Passion's purpose is perseverance. It's not just that it gives us clarity and and stirs us to response, but that when it does get hard, we remember what we were called to do and that we are the person to do it. Even Charles Spurgeon said, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. The snail was on the ark. I imagine he was just on the back of a hippo or something, but like the first Uber, I don't know. You know, I believe with all of my heart that our greatest days as individuals and as a church lay right in front of us, lay ahead. What we've had over the last eight months since we launched this campus has been nothing short of phenomenal. And I'm so honored and I'm so thankful to God that every single person here has been able to be a part of it in some way. Even if it's your first time here today, you're part of our story. I'm so thankful for that. And I never want to forget our humble beginnings, even though this is not exactly humble, but if you were here at the beginning, you remember how shabby everything was. Amen. We've grown. I'm so thankful for that. But our greatest days lay right ahead. And God is calling us to be a passionate people. And if we truly are to be the fullness of the center of hope to reach, serve, and influence our community like God has called us to do, it starts with every individual going, here I am, God, send me. What have you called me to do? And I'm gonna be determined and dedicated to becoming passionate about that so that I can see it clearly, so that I can respond and I can persevere when it gets tough. When we're passionate people, it allows us to see with great clarity. When we're passionate people, it stirs us to respond And when we're passionate people, we persevere. We hold God to His promises and we overcome the challenges that get in our way. I wanna pray for you in just a moment. Maybe as I've been speaking, God has highlighted a calling on your life, a gift that He's given you. And if you don't know what that is yet, you can join us at Growth Track today. It's part three, but you can join us today for that and start that journey. But maybe you do know what it is and you're like, but I'm just, I feel like I've got some embers, but I need a roaring fire again. I'm gonna pray that God's spirit would breathe upon you and you would have a fresh passion for what it is that he's called you to do. Why don't we just close our eyes where we are? I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or anything, but I just want you to be reflective before God in this moment. Think about what is it that perhaps you've been called to do, the area that God has highlighted you to do. I'm gonna pray that God gives you great clarity. He stirs you to response and that you have the perseverance to keep going when it gets tough. God, I thank you for every person in this room. They are gifted, they are called, 
you love them and you have a purpose for their life. And God, I just pray over those that are maybe just feeling a little bit flat at the moment. God, that their faith is there. They believe that you're good and they believe that you've called them, but it just doesn't quite feel like that on the inside. Right now, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, I pray that you sweep over this place and you fill every heart. From head to toe, God, I pray that you begin to bring vision and clarity and purpose and that fire would begin to roar again, that they would be stirred to take action on the things that you've called them to do. Their greatest days lay ahead. And right now, I pray for your glory, God, that they would be a passionate people to go after all that you've called them to do.